With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. It is uh, great to see you look great. Um, and just to capture how great you look, I want you to know that after this is over tonight, there will be an opportunity in the back if you'd like. Uh, just a little something we've set up as a gift to your family at Christmas. Our family always enjoy just kind of getting a photo. And so we have a little setup here for you and love to capture this moment. Uh, for you. Um, so after we finish lighting candles, you're welcome to come back in as you're kind of getting your stuff or whatever and be able to run back there. And we'd love to provide that as a gift uh, to you today. Um, so as I kind of think through the significance of, of Christmas and like what we are, what we are celebrating here uh, today, I just can't help but think what it would be like in the original setting, the original day over 2,000 years ago where Jesus was introduced to a people that were hungry, that were famished, that were waiting for something to be significant in their life. They had been longing. Over 400 years of divine silence had been present in their world, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Many of them recognized his coming, and yet many did not. As I thought about how this would be possible, I thought about kind of this story, and there, there was a man who lived who lived by himself in an area that was kind of pl- prone to, to flood. And as is accustomed, it just, the rains just started coming. And they just started coming. And they just started coming. And as he turned on the TV, there were all those like, blinking things and loud noises. And your cell phones were going off. And all kind of things were telling you to be careful. Flood warning approaching. And many of us, he kind of noticed the flood wars began to rise. And, and sure enough, police drove by down the street and told people, hey, you guys need to evacuate. You need to get out. You need to clear out because the flood waters are coming. And it's going to get much, much worse. And this guy's said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to leave. I'm just going to pray. And so he prayed. God, I pray that you protect me. pray that you would allow me to survive this, this storm. And so you know what happened? He told the police to go, go on ahead. And as he watched his neighbors pack up and saw them leave and saw them put their, you know, all their stuff in their cars and leave, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to sit. I'm going to pray. And God, will you please deliver us from the storm? Don't allow us to get any worse. Allow this for me to be okay. Allow for the flood to not impact me and my safety. And he's like, okay, great. So, so sure enough, flood water just kept coming, just as all the meteorologists were saying, as the police were saying, water just kept coming in, kept getting higher, kept getting bigger. And eventually National Guard comes uh, down the street on one of those canoes and they're like, hey man, like you need to get out of here. Like there's the flood's coming. Like it's gonna be bad. You need to get out of here. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be okay. Uh, I'm just gonna pray. And so he prayed, God, pray that you just help me, pray that you protect me, pray that you deliver me from these floods. I pray that you look after me. And sure enough, the floods kept getting bigger, kept getting larger, until they had to move the second story of his house because the flood had come in and taken over the first flo- flood's first uh, first story of his house and eventually kept going up higher and higher and eventually had to get up on, on the roof of, of, of his house. The flood just kept, kept coming. As he gets on the roof of his house, Coast Guard comes flying in on a helicopter, lower down this ladder to him. And, hey, man, like, get in. Like, the floods are going to come. It's going to be terrible. Like, you need to get out of there. Your life is dependent upon it. We're here to save you. And he's like, no, I'm praying. God is going to deliver me. He's going to look after me. Things are going to be okay. And so they're like, we got to go get other people. So just you know, hover off and go do their thing. And eventually a flood did come up and actually took his life. 
And so there he is. He gets to heaven. And he goes to God and says, God, why didn't you save me? Like, I, I asked you to. I, I begged you to save me. He's like, well, what else did you need? I sent you the meteorologist. I sent you the police. I sent you the National Guard. And I sent you the Coast Guard. Like, what else do you need? I think about that. I think, what else do we need? What else do we, do we need to satisfy, like, this longing that's in our hearts? Like, what else do we need that God hasn't already presented to us or that you're going to be presented to tonight? What else could we need to satisfy the deepest longing in our hearts that keeps us from drowning in our struggles, drowning in our excesses, drowning in our depression, and drowning in our anxiety and our loneliness. What if the wait's over? The wait is over. I encourage you to turn your Bibles with me today, if you will, to John chapter 1. And we're going to read a little bit about how the wait became over for the children of Israel and how the Son of God was introduced into them, into their lives. You see, sometimes God's provision looks different than we had expected. Sometimes the way that God introduces himself is different than maybe we would have thought he would. As Aaron alluded to earlier, God didn't come and introduce himself necessarily with, with, with power and with strength. He came in humility. He came in vulnerability. He came as a baby. Sometimes God's greatest gift to the world comes as a baby. So let's read about this. If you will stand as we read the scriptures and honor the scriptures. John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 6 through 13. This is what it says. God sent a man... His name was John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people. Even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So, Father, I pray that you would give us understanding today. Each of us come in here or different places in our spiritual journeys and And your Holy Spirit will take this truth and will apply it directly to the areas that we need it in our life. And so we tell you today that we are accessible to you. We're asking that you would speak into our life, that this would be the best hour we have spent today, maybe even this year. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, how, how, I mean, does it blow your mind too? How would it be possible that a people would be waiting and longing and sitting and praying and hoping and waiting and longing and sitting and praying for 400 years just begging God and waiting for something to be introduced into their life, but because maybe it didn't meet their expectations or it looked different than they thought that he would, there was a dismissal, there was a missing 
that occurred? How was it possible? And what can we learn from their mistakes so that today, this Christmas Eve, as we are waiting and we are kind of adventing and looking and longing for the entrance of God into our life, whether we recognize it as that or not, as we're waiting for the adventing of God into our life, as we're adventing and longing and waiting, that we would not miss what it is that God has for us. Many times God has, has prepared you today for what you're hearing right now. Just as, just as what God did to prepare the children of Israel to be able to receive Jesus, he sent somebody. He sent kind of a person of peace. He sent a herald, if you will, into the children of Israel's life. And his name was John the Baptist. He was a, he was a guy with an extraordinary calling. He was there to prepare the way for the Lord. He was to announce that there was one that was coming who was greater than him. And there was someone who was coming that would be able to bring light into the darkness. If you will, it's kind of if you've ever watched the State of the Union or not, you know, uh, where the President of the United States addresses both houses of Congress, and it's a big deal. And right before the President enters in, the Sergeant of Arms steps into the room, the doors open in front of him, and then you can see the President in the background, and out steps the, the, uh, the Sergeant of Arms, and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, or it's the Speaker of the House, Mr., Mr. whatever his name is, he goes, President of the United States. And everybody stands, and there's this huge applause. In many ways, that is, that's what John the Baptist's role was. He stepped into a room with people who were waiting and longing, and he announced the entrance of the Son of God, the Messiah, into their worlds. He was to prepare the Jews to recognize the light that was coming to them. And John makes it clear the writer of John, the one that we just read, is not the same as John the Baptist, by the way. Lots of guys named John. Lots of guys named John. Common name. Okay? So John, who wrote this, makes it clear in a couple chapters later that John the Baptist was simply the lamp. He was not the light. See, some listened and responded. Others scoffed at what he said. It's not a whole lot different than the world that we live in today. But nonetheless, Jesus entered in. In many ways, what happened was the Creator placed Himself into His creation. He entered into his creation. I know maybe we hear that, we just kind of think about that, but how unusual would that be in any other setting that the inventor would place themselves into the course of his invention? Because see, the inventor is always greater than the invention. The invention itself is a product, it is a byproduct, it is a small aspect of the inventor himself. And so God humbled himself and became like a part of his byproduct, a part of what he invented, a part of what he created. He came into the world, and they didn't recognize him. They were looking for something different. Jesus came to his own people, referring to the people of Israel. In many ways, the possession rejected the possessor. How confusing is that? The Jews had other maybe personal preferences for what the Messiah was supposed to be like. They had certain hopes and aspirations that they had projected as to what God was supposed to be like. Can you, can you, can you relate to that at all? I know I can. Sometimes my greatest moments of disappointment with God are things that he is not intended to be. But I have wanted him to be. 
And hey, Americans, we like customization, don't we? Like, we like having it our way. And if we're not careful, we will project that same kind of thing onto God. And this Christmas Eve, we could end up missing. The wait will not be over. The wait will still go on. Even though the answer to our prayers is in our midst. Ultimately, as we see in verse 12, the righteous one, he's the one that gives the right to become children of God. That the one who's entered into their world is the one who gives them the right to become children of God. It is Jesus' right to give and to determine the parameters around whom it is given. And the great news is, as we read in verse 12, it's given to all. Isn't that great news? Like, look around the room. You're all included in all. Okay? One of the first lessons I learned in seminary when I went to study the Bible is that all means all, and that's all all means. Isn't that brilliant? Like, I feel like I got my money's worth out of that, and you got your money's worth out of tonight as well. So all means all, and that's all all means. So when it says all, guess what that means? That means all. That means everyone. It's everyone in this room. It's everyone. That's the person that cuts you off in line. That's the person that got the last thing on Amazon just before you pressed send. You had found it. You had got it. You were finally getting ready. You were getting ready to press it, and someone else got it, and it was out of inventory. Even that person qualifies in the all. Every single person. Jesus has the right as the righteous one, to set the parameters as to who gets to become a child of God, and he has opened it up to who? To all. To everyone. To everyone. If I were God, I might would do it differently. If you were God, you might make... All, but like in parentheses, like the person that has injured you, and you like you add that, you know, and, and as you live the life, the, live your life, like the list grows. That's not how God works. That's not how Jesus has set this up. So that being a child is open, being a child of God is open to all and is accessible to everyone who believes and accepts. So it's not just this universalist type of salvation. There's anybody that's born of physical birth. It becomes a child of God. That's not the parameters which Jesus said. It's open to all who chooses to believe and to accept Jesus for who he is. It's open to all. We must choose to believe and to accept. So what is believing? Believing Jesus is not merely an intellectual agreement to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. If you read in James chapter 2, verse 19, the half-brother of Jesus actually says in this divine letter, he says that even the demons themselves believe this about Jesus. They believe that he is the Son of God. Belief itself is not just enough. Having an intellectual agreement with something isn't, ju- isn't enough. It is an essential part. But see, the demons themselves reject Jesus. They know who he is. And yet they still choose to reject him. That's where the second part of this comes in. There's believing and there is accepting. The second part of this is open to all, but we must believe. And the second thing is we must accept. Accepting Jesus means that when Jesus offers himself to you, you welcome him into your life for who he says he is. There's going to be times where he's going to welcome you. And for some of you today, it is my prayer. It has been our church's prayer as we have prayed today that God would draw some people here today who need Jesus to be their savior. 
And he is presenting to you today as the Savior. And it is then now your opportunity to be able to respond to him, to welcome him as salvation. For others, you need a leader. You need to welcome him and welcome his leadership. For others, he comes to you as a provider and you welcome his provision. If he comes to you as a counselor, you welcome his counsel. If he comes to you as a protector, you welcome his protection. If he comes to you as an authority, you welcome his authority. If he comes to you as king, you now welcome his rule over your life. Being a child of God, what you were intended to be, what you were born to be, is welcome and open to all who believe and to ex- who accept him for who he is. Accepting Jesus does not mean a kind of peaceful coexistence with a, a Christ who makes no claims. No, accepting Jesus means taking him into your life, into your home, into your school, into your workplace, into your marriage, into your relationships. For who he really is. And guess what? Your home, your school, your work, your marriage, your dreams, all the different things, your relationships will all now improve because they have the blessing of God and the authority of God, the leadership of God, the rule of King Jesus in your life. And everything that falls underneath the, the honor and order of God receives the blessing of God. When it's outside the blessing of God, we get what we can provide. But when it's underneath the umbrella of God's blessing, we get everything that he can provide. That's the blessing of becoming a child of God. Belief and acceptance of Jesus for who he really is produces what John calls being reborn. It's a figurative statement. It's not a physical rebirth. It's a spiritual birth. It is birthed into that which we were intended to be born into. We were born once by water and a second time by the Holy Spirit of God who comes in and transforms us into becoming, these, becoming a child of God. So it's been to feel worthy of being a child of God. Guess what? We're not. That's the scandalous nature of, of all. To all who believe and all who accept. Because he makes us into being the children of God. It's not up to us. We believe and we receive. We believe and we, re- we accept. He does all that, all that heavy lifting. Because he is good enough. And he imparts his goodness into us. The righteous one has the right to decide who is the children of God. As a child of God, we're they given access, privileges, and responsibilities that were not ours at, at, a, at our physical birth. You see, our original birth was into a physical family with temporal benefits. But our spiritual rebirth produces, a, with, produces us with a spiritual family and eternal benefits. I hope and pray that you were born into a family that you were thankful for, that you were proud of, but there, and I, as I was. But there's nothing like the spiritual family of God. Because we have a perfect dad. My dad was an amazing dad. is an amazing dad. He was not perfect. He was limited as to what he could provide. As a good father, he made sure he did all he could do for myself and for my siblings. He always did everything he could do, but he was limited. As, as, as now as a father, I can tell you, I, I'm so limited as to what I can provide my son. 
But I want more than anything in life for him to understand what it's like to be born into the family of God as a child of God who is not limited in any way, shape, or form. It is Heavenly Father, where his Heavenly Father rules and reigns in a spiritual family with eternal benefits. See, in the final verse that we read together tonight, it says, the general idea is that when we are reborn, the light comes with the right. So we're given the right to become children of God by the righteous one. And as the righteous one imparts to us the right to become children of God based on our belief and our acceptance, with the light that was once external, that was once optimistic and hopeful, comes internal, becomes permanent. This light can be extinguished. It will be extinguished. It's getting actually kind of low there, so we probably will want to blow that out pretty soon. But the light that the sun provides, that's his right to provide, never goes out. As a product of the rebirth, the light that John the Baptist was heralding about as he enters into the room and says, Ladies and gentlemen, the Messiah, the Son of God. Ta-da! He heralds that truth. The light that he was talking about that was entering into the darkest of dark. And also enter into your life. Enter into your world. This is not something that you can produce, but it's only something that is given to us by a gracious, kind God. You're going to receive many gifts, I hope, this Christmas. But there is nothing like the gift that opens up and you become to realize that what you have been waiting for that has been causing you to suffocate and to drown in the midst of your struggle of just keeping your head above water, that that wait is finally over. Christmas means that the candles that we have lit and the promise of hope, peace, joy, and love are no longer just aspirations that we've looked to for too long, that we've hoped for externally. The wait is over. Your wait is over. Jesus had is entered into our lives. As I wrote out these next couple sentences, I prayed that God would just give me insight as to who was going to be here today. I think this might apply to some of you today. Jesus has entered into our lives. You've been thinking to yourself, there has to be more to life than this. Maybe you've laid in your bed with your ceiling fans, surrounded by your stuff, and you just start thinking to yourself, man, there's got to be more to life than this. I want you to know your, your wait is over. Maybe you have some circumstances that are outside of your control and you're asking for God to intervene. But you know your wait is over. Those of you that may be on the bend towards perfection, you have been trying to improve yourself enough to be able to earn the privileges of God. I want you to know that your wait is over. 
Maybe you've been trying to improve yourself enough to remove the guilt and the shame from stuff that you did do or that you wished you had done. The wait is over. You've been trying to do enough good to earn God's blessing. But you know, the wait, the wait's over. God has heard your prayers. He has seen your efforts. And his answer to all of it is Jesus. And he has sent Jesus into the midst of all of that. Because he loves you. And he loves you. question is, will you believe and accept him? It is possible that you could just keep standing on your roof and you can just hope and pray that something else is going to come along and ultimately it's all going to be said and done one day, hopefully a long time from now. You're going to say, God, where were you? He's going to say, I sent Jesus. The wait is over. Will you let him in? It's not hard. It's not complicated. Saying, Jesus, enter, like, enter in. I believe and I accept. Help my unbelief. I don't know all the answers to all the questions. I just know there's something right now I'm supposed to respond to because my heart is beating out of my chest. And I understand that what this guy is saying up on the stage, there's something real about it. And I just know enough to say that is exactly what I need today. Say yes. I want my waiting to be over. I want to be introduced to what life is supposed to be about. Say yes. For those of us who are, we find ourselves in darkness, and we live in a in a world that is that is dark, that's hurting, it's sad, it's broken. God doesn't look at it with anger. God looks at it with compassion. So God didn't just send a word from a distance. He sent the word to come and to make his home among us. He moved in and became our neighbor, became our friend. He became the guy that would help us move. He became the guy who was a big tipper. He became the guy who was generous with his truck if you needed someone to move something. He became just the guy. But he was more than the guy. He just displayed what the life of Christ was, and that is our opportunity. And so for those of you who've just invited the light into your life, I just want you to know that in a second, we light candles. That is symbolic of what has occurred within your own life, but you're going to blow it out. But guess what? That light is still going to live on. For others of you who have had the light of Jesus in, maybe it's getting a little dull and a little dark and there's not a lot of life to it. Let's fan the flame that exists within our own hearts today as we light these candles.
and as we light and as we sing in one voice and with one purpose, we recognize that we are a family of missionary servants and we can do far more together than any of us could ever do on our own. You're not alone. You're only as alone as you want to be. God has never intended this life to be a solo venture, a solo sport, independent deal. It's intended to be something where we interlock as family, as a body. Where my strengths offset your weaknesses and your strengths offset my abundant weaknesses. So Geraldo and Lindsay, I've asked them to come and to, to light their candles on the, on, on the Christ candle. And this is what's going to happen. They're going to come. And I just want you to recognize some of the symbolism of this. As people who are part of our leadership team, part of it along with Aaron, the four of us are the you know, overseers of, our, of this church, of this family of missionary servants. And as they light their candles, you guys can go ahead and do that. They're going to go and stand next to the door. And as we kind of work our way out, you have a candle that's in your seat or certainly a candle that's around you. What I'd ask you to just take that candle with you. We're going to head out because... <laughs> Fire alarms and bad news in here if we light them in here, okay? So we're going to go out that door together, okay? And you're going to light your candle off of their candle, which is coming from the Christ candle. Responsibilities we have is to equip the saints to the work of the ministry. That's our responsibility. And now it's your opportunity to take the light of Christ into a world that is dark and in need of him. I want to read these passages together. Matthew chapter 5. Sorry, John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. It's Jesus' statement. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is the light of the world. And he makes a statement about us, which seems confusing, but it makes sense when we recognize that from his light, we receive light. He says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. He said through, through 16, he says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So as we wrap things up tonight and we get ready to walk out the doors and sing some songs together, I'd love for you to pause and take a second before you leave and maybe let us know if there was a step today that you took in your spiritual journey. We'd love to know about it. On the back of that Connect card, you can let us know how we can pray for you. There's a box. If today was a moment of belief where you did accept Christ to your life, you accepted who he is into your life, we'd love to know about that. There's some steps of movement in your relationship with him. We would love to know about that. So we want to be able to pray for you and just to help you along the way in the same way that someone once helped us. So, Father, today, I pray that as we light these candles, that would be more than an external thing. There'll be something that gives life to us on the inside. God, would you do something that cannot be extinguished? If someone can talk someone into something, someone else can talk it out of it. But, God, when you bring someone to life, when there is a rebirth that occurs, it is evident to all. And so now, we go in the light We follow the light of Jesus, and we desire to be the light of Jesus to this world, to guide them towards discovering life in you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.